this week on The Startup Life. They've all come through. They helped me develop the systems to be able to grow cannabis. Uh, I just enlisted people who are way smarter than I am in the world of science. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Warren Bravo, founder of Green Relief. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We got a special guest in the building today. We have Warren Bravo of Green Relief. How's it going, Warren? It's going, everything's going really well. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. going great. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. As always, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Start of Life podcast brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. So, Warren, first things first, man, tell us about your story and your path of entrepreneurship and tell us a little bit about Green Relief. Green Relief, sorry. Uh, it's okay. No problem. Uh, uh, so, uh, Green Relief uh, itself is uh, the first company growing cannabis globally using aquaponics as this growing methodology. So we're using, I guess, the most sustainable form of agriculture used in the world today, using 90% less water than any other form of agriculture to grow our medical cannabis. So for us, it's growing a plant that we know are, you know, we can we can help people get through the day, hopefully get some people off opioids and, and truly uh, get into the medicinal value of what this plant can uh, can give to our clients. You know, as far as as far as the the startup, I mean, that's that's a story all in itself. Uh, it's a, a, a long tale, but I came out of the construction industry, a concrete contractor, a third generation family member in our business and in a family business and business my grandfather started in 1945. And you know, my concrete uh, 28 years in the concrete floor contracting industry uh, brought me to cannabis cultivation. So, uh, lots of things happened in between, but here I am. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I, I appreciate you bringing up uh, that part about trying to help out with the opioid epidemic, because I know here in the States, that's a that's a serious thing that's going on. So I definitely appreciate what you're doing on that front, for sure. Both both of our countries have huge problems with uh, with opioids. Uh, it's yes. uh, it's an epidemic, uh, epidemic proportion. And, uh, you know, we want to do our part and try to try to help people get through the day with a natural botanically based medicine. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. So you mentioned, you know, the business that your grandfather started. Uh, and I want to talk about that a little bit. Now, now you're, you know, the third generation to join the business when you were over there at uh, Bravo Cement Contracting and you rose, from, you know, to the office of president of the company. I want to ask you this. Was it hard for you to have that credibility as a leader, seeing as that you're a family member that started the company? Or was it made easier, by the way, because you came up through the ranks starting from the beginning? Well, that's and, that, and that's it. I think that uh, you know, uh, nepotism wasn't a word that was used in my family. I had to bite, scratch, and fight for everything I ever got in life, and my father made sure that uh, I, I earned my money. So he didn't uh, 
although we didn't uh, make it uh, put a huge amount of uh, you know obstruction in my way, I still had to uh, you know pay my dues. And my father always told me that you know you can't tell in the, in the construction industry or concrete specifically, you know you can't tell people what to do unless you know how to do it yourself. So I did uh, ten years in the field, uh, pouring concrete slabs, finishing concrete slabs, doing epoxy coatings, saw cutting concrete, core drilling. All uh, kind of waterproofing, you name it, I've done it in 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 concrete. Uh, worked my way through the ranks for uh, ten, almost eleven years before I got into management, and then became president. So uh, I couldn't have earned that position if I didn't work for it. Uh, it certainly wasn't handed to me. So it was uh, it was a challenge, but uh, a challenge that I took on, and and it passed on to my kids as well. Because uh, you know, I think there's a you know the the one important lesson in life I think is a work ethic, and if you have that. Then uh, you nose to the grindstone. You can be and do uh, be anything you want, go anywhere you want. So in, in life, so it was an important lesson, and I'm glad uh, glad you put me through it. Got you. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Now you you mentioned your dad. I want to talk about him a little bit. Now uh, you have a series on Facebook, you know, uh, that I saw called uh, Founder Fridays, where your customers kind of get to know you a little personally than just you know uh, the head of a corporation. And so, you know, in one of the pieces, you talk about your dad and the lesson he taught you about being tough but fair. And so how have you been able to achieve that balance that he taught you? And also, how influential was your dad for you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. My dad, my, my father was my mentor. And unfortunately, he passed away early early in life in his uh, late 60s after, you know, getting out of the concrete industry, kind of semi-retirement. He'd spend a few months in Florida in the winter times and stay in the, the warm climate. But he, he couldn't quite get out of the concrete because, uh, world because he'd leave my mom down there. He'd fly back for a couple of weeks, uh, bother us in the office for a couple of weeks, then fly back down. So he was back and forth. But uh you know, I miss him dearly and I think about him every day and he was a huge influence on my life and his little pearls of wisdom that he instilled in me as I grew up uh, have always stuck with me. And that balance is, the, is, is you know, his, his way and the other, you know, he used to tell me that, you know, with, when it comes to handling people, you got to be able to kick him in the butt one minute and take him out for a beer the next. And that's his way yeah. of achieving uh, balance, balance in life. And, and, uh, uh, that's just not with work, but that's with 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 your home and that's your the personal time. You know, I spend too many hours at work. Unfortunately, I'm a nose of the grindstone a guy. You know, I've always taken the bull by the horns and and got things done. But you know, my dad uh, really really uh, uh, placed a huge amount of value on family and uh, you know work hard, play hard kind of attitude. And and again, balance is really important. And he just kept driving those lessons home and. And, uh, I, you know, I think I've got a pretty good, uh, pretty good, uh, balance in that respect. You know, I'm, a, I'm a work in progress. I love being at the office. I smile every day, but I know how important family and, and spending time with them and being out of the work environment is, uh, for even just your own mental health and stability. So I practice hard to make sure I balance in both of those worlds. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And my condolences to, you know, for your father. I appreciate you sharing that story. Thank you. Much appreciated. No worries. No worries. So, you know, Warren, if you would take me back a little bit, take me back to 2013, right? You know, cement construction, I mean, contracting for 28 years and you take a leap of faith to start Green Relief with your wife, right? Who's also the co-founder. What made you take that leap of faith and what were the key indicators that made you emerge, you know, to get into the emerging industry that is medical cannabis? Well, uh, so so I guess it's not as much as a leap as you might think. Getting out of concrete now in cannabis, uh, okay. in the concrete world, we have a we we did very diversified uh, projects. We we did you know sports complexes, car plants, uh, the big box stores, shopping malls, all kinds of big things. But where we really focused and had a big uh, 
a big uh, uh, a bunch of contracts throughout North America where it was ebb and flow floors in greenhouses in the agricultural world. So uh-huh. about uh, eight, 18 years ago, my uh, uncle in my our Windsor office, uh, myself, my cousin, we flew to Holland and we investigated these floors that were just brand new in the industry back then. So where where you pour a concrete floor in a greenhouse, you you put your pots and plants right on the concrete floor, then you flood that floor with a nutrient solution, and then you drain the floor from that nutrient solution. That that drainage that that uh, nutrient uh, goes from one bay to the next to the next through the greenhouse. You know, and a couple of days later, you keep doing the same thing to a central fertigation tank, and it just the cycle just keeps continuing. So it was a way of the greenhouse guys in Europe and Holland uh, economizing and and using their production facilities more efficiently. So. You know, for us, it was an interest in pouring concrete because that's what we did. And we saw an opportunity in the agricultural market that nobody has ever done. And even today, we still go around all over North America pouring, you know, ebb and flow concrete floors in, in greenhouses. But that that really tweaked my interest in, in agriculture and seeing how plants grew. And, and that's kind of what got me uh, interested in the uh, agricultural world. And from there, it was just, it was a, it was a natural extension that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in my mid fifties now, I was going to retire out of the concrete world. I, I bought this 50 acre farm and I thought I'd put up a couple of greenhouses, throw some of these ebb and flow concrete floors and some greenhouses, grow, uh, do a little, little, uh, you know, farm gate vegetable production facility, you know, sell to my neighbors and friends and, and keep myself busy in my years of retirement. Well, that that idea was was great, but but it ended up morphing into what is now the world's largest aquaponic growing facility for medical cannabis. So things change, as you know, in 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 life and in in business, you have to have some flexibility. You have to be able to adapt to change and and uh, see opportunity for where it is. And uh, we saw you know coming out of concrete, and it wasn't you know, my wife was kind of the brainchild of aquaponics, but it was my business partner Steve LeBlanc who is a concrete restoration contractor that I have known for decades. And okay. it was him and I together who really, you know, built green relief from the ground up, utilizing the aquaponics platform. And we were, you know, business associates, but we were also very good friends. And together we, we just kind of said, well, here's an opportunity. Here's a brand new industry. You know, nobody's ever done before. You're only limited by your imagination. And as long Absolutely. as you play within the rules of, of, of the Health Canada regulations, you can be as big as you want. You can be a niche grower. You can kind of go in any direction you want as long as you play in the rules. And we just saw an opportunity in a brand new, exciting, merging market. And so uh, that was our leap of faith. And, and here we are today. So now we're, we're growing weed. Gotcha. Fair enough. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I, I love how you said that, like, you know, the, the transition was not as, as, as uh, you know, as rough as, you know, I thought it was initially, because it just seems like two very distinct uh, industries. But when you, you know, share your story, it, it makes a lot more sense now. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure, Warren. It, it was, you know, and the, and the cool, the coolest part about, you know, seeing that technology and, and, and in Holland, you know, they're, they're light years ahead of anywhere else in the world Absolutely. for growing plants and flowers. And you go in these greenhouses, these million square foot greenhouses that are all glass and you just don't see people. They have such a, uh, they're highly automated. They have automatic uh, material handling equipment that goes in and wow. picks up plants and automated packaging. And, you know, these, these large facilities are running with virtually no people. So they're way ahead in the tech. And if you want to learn about that industry, certainly it's worth the drive to Holland or worth the trip to Holland to, to have a look at what they do, because there's nothing else. I've never seen anything like it before. For sure. So uh, I want to ask you this. So, you know, you you started Green Relief, but I want to know what were some of those missteps maybe that took place in the early days? 
Well, that's uh, uh, I can I can't I can't count that high, but uh, I mean, you know, we as as any as any new business, we we all make mistakes and uh, we try. And I think because what I came out of out of the construction world, which is a non-regulated industry, you know, I call up the concrete plant and I call my guys and say, "Be here, let's we got to pour a big slab," and everybody just gets there. Everybody knows the roles, the jobs, and knows the grindstone. I was kind of the master of my own destiny when it came to uh, pouring concrete floors. Now coming into a regulated industry where I'm used to just, you know, picking up the phone and making things happen. Uh, now comes steps in Health Canada and the regulatory body. So I just can't make decisions and kind of carry on and do what I want to do because now I have to get either permission or make sure I, I fit within the regulatory framework of, of Health Canada's guidelines for growing the plant. You know, it's a physical security you know, we want to make sure we account for every gram in the facility. There's a whole bunch of things that were thrown into me uh, that we had to develop and make very robust uh, standard operating procedures to accommodate for all of these uh, regulations. And uh, it was a huge transition. And then waiting for answers was a big one because mm. now I put an email out to Health Canada and here I sit for a month later and I still have no response on, you know, being able to do something I want to change in my facility and kind of do something that's different and 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 never mind even just the regulatory framework but the use of aquaponics itself because nobody had ever done it there was a huge amount of uh of education i had to give to our government to uh even be able to grow this way because they'd never seen it uh right. we developed it uh, we you know we developed the process on how to how to grow cannabis aquaponically and i had to educate health canada on on the, our practices to make sure that we were staying within the guidelines and our product had that testing we passed the european pharmacopoeia standards with our finished product and all the things that kind of went with with those processes i had to fit into all of that so there's right. so many so many challenges but the biggest misstep at the beginning was relying on other people to help me through the initial stages uh of the application process there are so many uh self-professed okay. uh, consultants and industry experts out there and everybody's got a great story to tell but at the end of the day they don't produce. Uh, uh, right. Listening to people and I, uh, going with my gut more in the early stages would have helped me advance the, pr the platform faster and be more efficient kind of coming out of the gate instead of listening to other people with regulatory experience. So I think that was my biggest downfall in the early stages. Now I use my gut. I have great members on our team here and, and the Greenlee family that, 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 you know, I have a regulatory department, I've got our quality assurance departments, all of the things that make us robust and, and uh, follow all the guidelines really well. So we just carry on every day is a new day and we just grind it out. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, what I hear in that answer sometimes is that we fall victim to paralysis by analysis, right? And so sometimes, like Warren said, sometimes you just kind of have to go with your gut because sometimes for the most part, your gut never really, you know, steers you in the wrong way. So I appreciate you sharing that, Warren, for sure. Absolutely right. You are. I tell you, Dominic, that's the biggest. If I could have had any advice for anybody, just gotcha. use your, your gut because 99% of the time it's right. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Quick follow-up question because you talked about uh, Health Canada and the regulations and stuff like that. And I love how you you got into a space that was so new that even government wasn't ready for. So I love disruption like that for sure. But I want oh, yeah. I want to ask you really quickly about like, because, you know, here in the States, there's still a federal ban on cannabis, marijuana, weed, whatever you want to call it. So I, I guess I'm, I'm curious to know your philosophy on what is it uh, about here in the States that we're not seeing about cannabis? Like, you know, what is it the stigma we're fighting against? Like, what are we not getting that Canada seems to get already? 
I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, Canada, I guess, is a little more liberal. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's different. Our governing bodies, you know, maybe look at things a little differently. And, uh, you know, and maybe if the, uh, the Democrats were in power down there, maybe it would be a different day, too. I, I, I just don't know what that what that is. But, I, you know, I do know that your regulatory body in the States right now is disjointed. The, the, the federal regulations in Canada here put a put kind of a uh, uh, they overshadow everybody that the regulations rule the industry and everybody has to conform. We're on a very level playing field with myself and my competitors. We all have to conform to European pharmacopoeia standards for our, our tested product. And we we all put out a very high quality product because, you know, the feds tell us what we can and can't use on our plants from an input standpoint. So everybody plays by the same rules. Well, you don't have that in the States. And, and it's, and you know, these state by state regulations, every state wants to do something a little different than, right. you know, what California does or Oregon or New Hampshire or any of these states that are uh, medicinal recreation. You, you need that government, that federal oversight. And, and I don't know why, uh, I, I don't know why the people, your government doesn't get their heads out of their butts and, 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 and figure <laughs> it out because they, they, they need to, because you know, number one, they're losing so many multi billions of dollars in tax revenue, which will just help for the infrastructure costs of maintaining that beautiful country you guys live in. And, uh, and, uh, uh, why? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they want to do something? It's, it's perfectly accepted. And if and if they were to take a referendum in in the states, you know, I, I have to figure that more than fifty percent of the population is for it because half your states are legal in in some fashion for Absolutely. the consumption of cannabis. So, you know, a government should be you know should be, should be ruled by the people. And if if fifty or sixty percent of the people are for it, well, you know, it's time time to get moving and time to get those regulations in place. So. I, I, I'm not into American politics as much as I probably should be, gotcha. but I do know that uh, that uh, you guys should be federally regulated. Everybody on the same playing field, everybody growing under the same standards, ensuring that the people who are using this product aren't getting you know fentanyl laced product or mm, uh, or chemicals and sprays on the plants that that shouldn't be or that are harmful for your body. Everybody cares about what they ingest in their body from a from a natural standpoint. Everybody wants clean product. And the way it works right now in the States, that just isn't happening. I appreciate you sharing that. And that's an excellent point you bring up as far as like, you know, everybody kind of being under one kind of cohesive regulation or governing body when it comes to cannabis. Because like you're right, like, you know, some states you know, or some people can probably fall to the crack with something that's uh, not healthy or even worse, may even be harmful to their health. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, Dominic. No worries. No worries. So let me ask you this. And speaking of, you know, uh, the, the Canadian government a little bit. So Prime Minister Trudeau, you know, and his administration, they legalized cannabis and that took effect October 2018. Was this a good or bad thing for Green Relief? Uh, it, it's it, listen, it, it's good. Listen, I, it, just getting that 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 uh, federal regulation, putting some regulations behind the sale of cannabis, you know, not gotcha. making it appealing for our youth and and uh, and uh, making sure that the uh, community safety is, is paramount in legalization of this product. So, you know, Canada's done, you know, have they done anything perfectly? No, absolutely not. But they, they started a program and they're evolving it and making it better every single day. The recreational cannabis space is as far as I'm concerned in Canada is the, is for the tourist trade. And I'll say the, the 1%, you're having a dinner party. You've got 10 people coming over, go to the store, buy a few grams. You want to smoke a few joints after, after dinner or something. That's great. But you know, the, the I think the, the medical lines 
is where we see the true value of this product, even long-term from a monetizing standpoint in this industry. I think you have to be in medicine because the true value for me is medicinal in this in this world and when i now separate all these cannabinoids and can make a a concoction of different cannabinoids to be able to help you with your migraine headaches and your back pain or any other ailment a doctor says is suitable for for cannabis treatment then i think that's that's just where where i want to be because i want to help people that's our corporate motto that's our philosophy in 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 green relief and and helping people and we're helping feed people with a donation of our fish and and uh feeding people with uh cannabis or I'm sorry, uh, helping people medicinally with cannabis is is a great feeling because we get testimonials every day from our clients saying how we make them feel better. And that's the the biggest charge for me. And, and, and it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal responses. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, Warren, when I look at your website and social media, and first of all, your content on social media is, is amazing. I want to talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, it's sure. true that you talk about, you know, cannabis and cannabis and the process of making it, which I think is fascinating. We'll get into that later as well. However, yep. when I look at, you know, the goals of Green Relief and the content, it appears that it appears to be more than just cannabis and more than the products you sell. Right. Uh, you know, I, so I guess my question is, is Green Relief less about cannabis or is it more about earth sustainability? Because I, I see that as a constant theme in a lot of the content that you talk about, a lot of the, the kind of the personal chats you had on those things. Because to me, it almost seems like, you know, you're using the lightning rod that is cannabis to bring awareness to such a bigger goal. So where does that come from? And uh, if you can answer that for me, I'd be appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that's all good. And, and, and I get it. And I think that there, there aren't enough corporations in the world that, you know, uh, Greenleaf, at Greenleaf here, we, I've established this company and we've been following the, you know, people, planet, profit model. We, you know, we, we, we care about people. Uh, we absolutely care. We're environmental stewards and we want to advance sustainable agriculture. And, uh, and obviously at the end of the day, you have to make money because your company has to survive and move forward and research and development costs money. And there's a lot of things. So, you know, profitability and as much as people don't like to hear that word, it's a necessity. Uh, the, uh, you know, money makes the world go round, unfortunately. And, uh, we all as a, as a corporation, we have to be profitable. So, uh, you know, shareholders, investors and all of the things that go with that. So, sure. but, you know, I, I think that I think that we wanted to establish a model to show people that you can be all three and there aren't enough companies that 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 are that are pursuing, you know, sustainable uh, our, our uh, cannabis competition. Uh, uh, sustainability is not in their mindset. You know, we're, we're going to have run out of fresh water in the next number of decades. We're going to be having, uh, you know, environmental impact and all of the waste products that, that everybody puts out, the agriculture industry itself puts out in the, into the world with uh, high nitrates and phosphates and gray water from hydroponics all leaching into the ground, affecting ground source water. Our ecosystem is going to be a mess. And I don't mm-hmm. want my great grandkids having to put up with an uh, ecological disaster, you know, when, when they're growing up, I like to think that we're going to hopefully, you know, start a, start more, uh, a larger trend and, 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 and in the social responsibility. And I think you can be everything. Uh, uh, there's a balance to be had between all of those things. And I think you can be everything uh, now uh, in, in, uh, in corporate world and have a philosophy and give back and, and help people and, and still make money. And, 
uh, I think that's uh, that's been always been a big focus for us, and and uh, we're going to continue that model because it makes sense. And you know, I don't want people to think that you know green relief is so scattered that you know we have a big focus on aquaponics and how we grow, and then we also have a big focus on medicine and 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 helping people in that department. You know, we 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 are a tight cohesive unit. Aquaponics gives us a very clean, natural product for us to create science with. We don't have to look past any residual chemicals and pesticides and all the other crap that everybody else is putting in their products because we don't use those things. So we have a very clean product, which is great to do science on because we don't have to worry about separating contaminants. And, and, and doing that, to make our medicine, people use our product. They're getting a very natural uh, uh, a botanical product uh, to consume that's going to help them. So uh, aquaponics gets us to where we want to be on the sustainability side. It allows us to grow plants that are very clean and natural, but it's the science that's driving our business, the science, the nutraceutical, and, and, and everybody has their own uh, opinion on pharmaceuticals. But for us to get a patented medicine, uh, you know, using cannabis and the combination of cannabinoids, we have to get in, kind of get involved into that world using a plant-based medicine. So, uh, you know, it's the evolution of a company. The, the aquaponics is a means for an end for us for uh, creating good product for the, for the science we're going to be creating in the medicinal world. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And I appreciate your your answer because it, it, it highlights two points. One, it's quite okay to be uh, a profitable business, but also have a social awareness or social conscience about something. So I love companies that do that. But also, you know, you bring up an excellent point, you know, about money makes the world go round. You know, for those of you startup nation who want to have that social aspect to your business, remember that you got to run the business right in order to do the social part. If you don't run the business right, then the social part goes away. And then, you know, that, you know, the world kind of misses out on that. So Warren, I appreciate that answer for sure. And absolutely, you summed it up nicely there. And that's exactly the way uh, people should start to be looking at their businesses and, you know, concentrate on profitability and the social side comes comes as as an easy spinoff from that. It doesn't take much to do a lot of good out there in the world, I'll tell you. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, Warren, really quickly, I saw on uh, on Facebook that you guys are creating a new web series, Renegades of Change. Tell us a little bit about that and what can we expect from that content? Well, that's an interesting one, and, I, and I've I've just actually seen the first episode kind of uh, cut together, and I had a few comments for our uh, for our marketing team at Bellwether X, who uh, actually mm-hmm. who, who who won us the best social media in Canada award uh, through AdCan, which was uh, which is one of our uh, governing bodies in the advertising world here. So it's uh, it was a real honor to be able to uh, say that we're kind of leading leading an industry in social media, which is kind of cool. But, there, you know, Renegades of Change is, you know, it's a highlight for people who are, are doing things differently. And it's not just the cannabis space. It's not just uh, it's anybody who's making an impact and and, and adding diversity to their business and anybody who's doing something different or is helping people is is showing some responsibility out there on the corporate side. And I think it's just good to highlight, you know, the unsung heroes, the people who the small guys who make differences and, and you don't hear about. So I think we're, we're working towards that right now. I think the first uh, couple episodes, maybe you're going to, I think they're going to highlight, you know, green relief and some of the things we do. And we just had, uh, we just had some media out there with a uh, Reuters article uh, going out to the, the, the masses and showing the, uh, the trail of fish donation from the time it leaves our system right to the, uh, the homeless shelter that the homeless shelters that uh, feed uh, the impoverished out there and, and uh, it was very, very cool. And that was the first time we've really highlighted that process because we're not doing it for corporate kudos. We're not doing it for a uh, pat on the back saying, you know, job well done, Green Relief. Thank you. 
uh, we're doing it because we want to, because we truly care. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things, and I think you know social media. We're restricted on the marketing side of the world. We cannot advertise as a medical cannabis company. Gotcha. Social media helps us get the message out there that we're doing things differently, and we're the only guys in the industry uh, now growing aquaponically and the only differentiator between soil grows and hydroponic grows. So, uh, you know, we use it to the best of our advantage. And as you mentioned earlier, the Founders Fridays, the Twin Tuesdays for our twin PhDs we have here and all kinds of things we have out there. And uh, uh, we're really excited. The Bellwether team is a top-notch group and, uh, you know, they're looking for people, anybody who wants to grow their 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 social uh, the social side of their business social media side these guys are a phone call away and I certainly uh, suggest uh, that phone call because they're a top notch team. Gotcha. I appreciate that. And my follow up question actually was going to be the last question right before a break, so I just go right into it because like you like you mentioned before, Green Belief did win uh, best social media in Canada in Canada, and you know I want to know you know in general, what goes into a great social media campaign? Because that's kind of the way of the world now when we were talking about small businesses and people trying to scale their companies, like social media is kind of the way to go. So what goes into a great social media campaign, you think, Warren? Well, I truly believe that, you know, the, the tides are changing and we have this beautiful, powerful tool called the internet and and, uh, and people, busy lives, it makes us be more efficient with our time so you get faster, clearer, concise messaging out there in a very very uh, short period of time by doing your browsing or staying up on your favorite websites and getting your news and that type of thing. I think it's a more visual uh, time than it ever has been in the history of mankind. I think we need to, uh, 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 we, we build our social media platforms because everybody wants to see video content. Everybody wants to hear podcasts because that's what I do when I'm driving. Uh, you know, I turn on uh, a podcast and hear what's going on out there in the world and listen to interesting people and, and go online and I like to watch a video and that, that's on there for two minutes. That gives me a great overview of what's, what's happening in that specific thing I'm searching. So, uh, you know, creating video content is, is a big deal. There's not enough me- media companies out there. A lot of them will just kind of get you out there on the, the, the big three, the Twitters, the Instagram, the, Twi- the, the Facebook. Uh, right. They'll get you and keep a fresh posts. But I think you need to create video. I think you need to put a, 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 a face to a company. Uh, you know, people hide behind their corporations like it's a mask. And, uh, you know, I think for, for transparency and accountability in an industry, I think the, the you know, top line people should be shown. You should get to know them. You should know who they are and that you should know that they're accessible. So you can email me anytime or pick up the phone and call me. You have a face to, to, to put to the phone call and uh, I'll always be there to answer because uh, that's the way we need to, to run this business. And social media is a big help for us because in an industry that's uh, our hands are tied from an ad- advertising standpoint, People talk about our products, and that's how we garner interest and, and get more products uh, out to the marketplace and help people because uh, of, of uh, the social media chatter and that type of thing. So what runs a good campaign uh, from a social media standpoint? You know, I've enlisted the help of Bellwether X the, in Hamilton, uh, Ontario here that that uh, that do these things for me because it's not my world. You have to rely on somebody to help you through that. Uh, that. And we've we've picked the right team to, to help us navigate those the social media waters. And uh, these guys are on top of their game and fresh content. People want to see fresh. They want to see updates. They want to see what's happening and they want it uh, today. And so these guys are on top of their game. And because of that, they, we, we got that award and I'm, I'm ecstatic. Uh, but, uh, 
I'm not in that world. So that's not my, not my focus. I grow cannabis and I try to expand and work on my own business <laughs> and, and, and profitability. So, uh, uh, that's, uh, I let other people who are way smarter than I am manage that world. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you for sharing that. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on startup life so far, Warren? It's a blast. It's great, great questions. I appreciate that. That's really, really fun. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Warren's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson. You're listening to the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. Hey, business owner, the Startup Life reach is growing. Wouldn't you like your business to grow with it? Reach out to us to advertise on the Startup Life. You can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askowlsolutions.com. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, this is a great music to have break on, but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music, but your business being advertised on it? Need more content from the Startup Life, you say? You can now sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass on the Binge Podcast Network's Patreon page. There is exclusive content written by yours truly, video content where I share even more of my business philosophies, and whatever crazy content I can think of out of that crazy head of mine. And at only $5 a month, yeah, $5 a month, this is more content for you, Startup Nation, to really get ahead of your competition. So instead of upsizing that meal at your favorite fast food joint, you can now invest in yourself on your path to entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to sign up. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So Warren, one of probably the top reason why I wanted to bring you on the Startup Life is probably probably for nerddom strictly for myself it's because I find your process for growing cannabis extremely fascinating the aquaponic system right because you yep. know and you're and that in the facility that you do is quite fascinating because you know this whole like cohesive ecosystem that's all there and it's organic and healthy but tell us you know startup nation who are not familiar with the aquaponic system tell them a little bit about that and also I love what you do with the fish after uh, you're done with them. So tell us a little bit about all of that, if you would, please. Sure. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, just a quick uh, high level, what is aquaponics? So aquaponics is a symbiotic relationship between water, fish, and plants. We have a closed loop recirculating ecosystem right. that uses 90% less water than any other form of agriculture. So fresh water, we know in the next number of decades is going to be a very scarce resource. It's a shrinking resource. Uh, you know, in uh, in Mississippi, in in Florida, uh, California, Arizona, you know, freshwater resources are are coming to a premium. It's going to be a, a ecological mess at some point in time, uh, and we're probably going to see freshwater being traded on a commodities index. Some, uh, oh, wow. you know, not in the in, in the near future. So who knows uh, where where all that's going? But you know that that 
symbiotic relationship. It just allows me to use less water resources. We use LED lights, so we're also saving 35% hydro comparatively to the industry who's using high-pressure sodium and metal halide lights, consuming a lot more power. So we're trying to grow more efficiently and effectively and use less resources to do it. So that's that's aquaponics. So, you know, basically, you know, the, the, we, we feed our fish. They create a solid waste and through a series of mineralizing tanks, uh, 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 clarifying tanks, uh, a bioreactor, off-gas tank, basically water flowing from one tank to the next to the next, converts that waste, that solid waste, into nitrates, usable plant food. All of the NPK, all of that, you know, the nitrates, uh, potassium, phosphorus, all uh, broken down in a recirculating system. So my plants grow on styrofoam rafts in about 20 inches of water. And so the roots just hang in the water. They suck up all the nitrates and clean the water, returning the water back to the fish tanks. So that closed-loop ecosystem, same as any freshwater lake that grows lily pads or bulrushes, those plants are fertilized by the fish that live in that in that lake and it's a, a series of tens of thousands of naturally forming heterotrophic and aerobic bacteria that make the system work it's the same as a freshwater lake and we don't have any additives all we do is give our fish food and our plants grow so that's the reality so it's a very natural clean fresh product no pesticides no fungicides no fertilizers other than our fish feed and the solid waste created by the fish so that's the the uh, eco eco side of our business and that's how aquaponics works it's uh, uh nobody has figured it out there's been lots of people who have tried to grow cannabis aquaponically it took us two and a half years and hundreds of thousands of dollars in r&d enlisting right. the academic brains of all of the grandfathers in North America and abroad in British Virgin Islands, Dr. Ricosi, uh, Dr. Savadov, all these these people who, who commercialized aquaponics and made it a viable commercial system have all been to my facility. They've all come through. They helped me develop the systems to be able to grow cannabis. Uh, I just enlisted people who are way smarter than I am in the world of science. I'm a concrete contractor. I'm a school of hard knocks guy. I, uh, gotcha. I'm not a scientist. So you always have to deal with people who are smarter than you are and they have their, their, their academic uh, skills in different areas. The, the areas that I don't know, I can run the business, but I can't run the science. That's just my reality. So I know my limitations and that's where we go from there. So uh, it was a lot of help by a lot of people, some universities here in Canada. It was a group effort. But what we've been able to achieve from that is something that nobody else has been able to do uh, globally. And we're the only aqua grower of aquaponic, uh, of a grower of cannabis aquaponically, uh, as I said, in, in the world. So uh, we want to you know, bring that to the States. I've, uh, there's some uh, high-level discussions that are happening with a group out of Maine right now. Okay. Uh, we want to be in, in, in L.A. And uh, there's, uh, we're working with a group there now about bringing the first aquaponic system to the United States for cannabis growing nice. uh, into uh, North Hollywood. So we're excited. Uh, we want to we want to advance this technology. We want people to use more sustainable methods for growing, and we have to show them how to do it. And uh, we're we're an open book. You come in and you have a tour, and let's advance the platform. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I I think that's amazing. Tell us really quickly, Warren, about what you do with the fish after you decided to purge the fish, and actually, wh- what determines when it's time to purge the fish. So I guess kind of a two part follow up, if I would. Yeah, sure. No, the uh, the fish themselves. So, so I grow them to market size. So, because at the end of the day, I can have for me, it's stocking density. I need a certain amount of mass of fish in a uh, eight hundred gallon fish tank, or a, a fifteen hundred gallon fish tank, or a four hundred gallon fish tank. I need a certain amount of fish in those tanks. So, 
I take, I choose to take them out a pound and a half, two pounds, because that's what's accepted in the marketplace for okay. filleting and for dinner to, to, to make a fish fillet. So that's, if you make it too big, uh, harder to handle all of those kind of things. So it doesn't matter. I can grow if I need, you know, a hundred pounds of fish in one tank, they can be a hundred one pound fish or two fifty pound fish. It doesn't really matter to me because it's the output for their waste product that I need to make my plants grow. But we decided to take them out of market size because at the beginning we didn't know what we were gonna do with our fish. Or we we're gonna be retailing them and putting them out to the retail space and the grocery stores to sell and be a fish wholesaler. But we decided to take the other route and uh, now we donate all of the fish that we perch from our system to a series of homeless shelters across the greater Toronto area through the Good Shepherd Society and to the second harvest. So we've, to date, uh, since our inception, have fed over 50,000 meals of, of high-quality organic tilapia wow. to uh, homeless shelters uh, to, to date. Uh, and we continue to do that every, approximately every five weeks. 300 uh, pound and a half to two pound tilapia leave our system and are distributed through those uh, through those shelters. Uh, they have a very hard time finding protein uh, and uh, we're happy to help. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, the cannabis crop itself allows me to be able to be a little more philanthropic because there's enough margin in the cannabis and the, in the plants that we grow that right. allow us to be able to do this. So uh, we, we, we want to help. And, and it's just another way that we, uh, our social conscious uh, wants us to, uh, to, to help the help uh, get ourselves out there. That's a that's amazing, Warren. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, in that answer, it, you know, Startup Nation, I want you to think about something really quickly because you know, there's a, a I think he's German, a very German philosopher who said, if you only know one, you know none. Meaning that like you should kind of have this well-rounded scope of things. And so when Warren talks about you know not only knowing his industry. But he also when he but what he also talks about in addition to that, he talks about, you know, knowing the market size for fish for fillets and stuff like that and serving size. That means he had to go and do that research on an entire different industry in order to be effective, especially on that social part. So, Warren, thank you so much for that answer. I appreciate that for sure. Uh, no problem. All good. No worries. No worries. So you know, let me ask you this, because it appears that one of your uh, uh, popular products is the Sunrise Oil. What, what are customers saying? Oh, about? you've really done your homework. You know more about your, my company than I do, for God's sake. That's <laughs> awesome. I do a little bit. I do a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, so uh, this goes back to about uh, two years ago, uh, okay. two and a half uh, years ago, when I started making trips to uh, Switzerland. I, I researched who makes the best, highest potency, cleanest CBD uh, THC oils in the, in the world. And, and my search kept going back to a company called iFame and iLab in Switzerland and a gentleman by the name of Daniele Shibano. So, uh, Daniele, he didn't speak English. I don't speak German or Swiss German. Uh, he speaks a little Italian. I speak a very little Italian as well. So, uh, we were able to do some communication. So over a series of about four trips, I just went to Switzerland. I got to know Daniele. We didn't talk business. I just wanted to know him. And he was very proud of what he's been doing and, you know, showing me around his facility. I got to know all the people in at the iFame laboratories. And, and we just developed a relationship that I nurtured along and, and became friends. So Daniele and I are like brothers now. But then we developed in, into this business relationship, this this IP, intellectual property uh, relationship, where, you know, he's been developing and separating cannabinoids for a uh, very long time. Now we're at the point where, you know, he develops new science. 
He transfers us out to our laboratory, and we have now the purest, uh, uh, the highest potency CBD in the Canadian market. Not only that, from a, a, a dilution standpoint and, and the product we put out for the space, but our product is also 95% pure. Getting up to that, getting up to that level of purity, it's it's not an easy task. There are multiple steps you have to, you know, our cannabis oils are almost clear. You you see through them. They're not that brownish, yellowish uh, stuff that from the hemp plant that's out on the marketplace now, where you're getting oxidized chlorophylls and waxes and fats that are still in that in that product. It's low grade stuff that tastes bitter or burnt and and leaves a, a taste in your mouth. Ours is very clean doesn't leave any residual taste it just goes down and is is truly an effective effective product and and uh, and all that science was established in in Switzerland now uh, we're manufacturing here in Canada and I cannot keep the sunrise oil on the shelves unfortunately and and we can't make it fast enough um, as we're in, we're in a growth phase I need to grow more plants is, is my problem we're trying to you know we're garnering investment interest in all the things that I need and we need the tens of millions of dollars for our expansion plans. And we've just procured another 100,000 square foot building in uh, in Hamilton, Ontario. I've got another satellite operation that's starting up uh, That's that we're under uh, final paper in Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, up in Thunder Bay, northern Ontario as well. We need to get plants in so I can have a steadier supply of our Sunrise Oil for the market because as soon as I put it out, in 24 hours, it's gone. And it's uh, it's sad. I'm trying to get the the peaks out of our sales uh, and try to make that line a little more steady and and an upwards kind of uh, plateau. So it's uh, you know, the sunrise has been really popular, but uh, it's all through you know uh, very stringent multiple processes. It's a little more expensive than what's out there, but you know there 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 are huge differences between CBD oils. And I don't know if you if you know what those differences are, but you know really there's three plants in the cannabis family: the right. hops. There's cannabis sativa hemp, and which is everybody's using hemp for their CBDs. And there's mm-hmm. cannabis sativa non-hemp. Those are the plants with THC. Those are the plants I grow uh, here. So okay. hemp has, if you if you look at the cannabinoid structure and profile of a hemp plant, it's been industrialized and hybridized because we've been using you know the stock, the fibers for manufacturing for for a very long time. It's very long in the last few years that we've been using the flour to extract the oils from and the hemp from the hemp plant. You know, they only have four to ten percent CBD in them, not overly rich in CBDs, but they only have forty to about seventy cannabinoids in them. Well, the plants I grow have about three hundred and fifty cannabinoids in them with THC uh, plants, and so so THC is just one of those cannabinoids. So what we do is we separate those those that molecular profile of THC off the rest of the plant in its liquid form in its oil form through uh, high level you know scientific uh, methodology. We separate those THC from the CBD. So we still have 349 uh, compounds in our CBD product. So it's a more robust, full-spectrum CBD, and it's got all the micros and macros that the hemp plant doesn't. So it's uh, just a, a, a more effective medicine. So CBD oils, no matter what people tell you, there's a lot of stories out there. Right. But if, you're, if, you, right. if you want a very robust, high medicinal value from a CBD, you got to get it from the cannabis sativa plant that's not hemp. And so, you know, hey, listen, hemp uh, is, is helping people. It's controlling some seizures. It's, it's doing some things out there medicinally. But right. I, I'm saying mine will do a better job than, than theirs.
that's that, I guess at the end of the day, that's that's what I'm trying to trying to portray. Gotcha. For sure, for sure. And thank you for sharing it. And Startup Nation, those for you that are in Canada, uh, you can uh, purchase that. Uh, we have the website there in the show notes for easy access. But I want to be clear that that's for Startup Nation there in Canada. I'm not entirely sure here in the state, Startup Nation, if you can purchase that. So be weary of Unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, yeah, not yeah. yet. We cannot ship our CBDs or our Absolutely. THC products across the border until that federal recognition Absolutely. we uh, recognition we talked about earlier kind of kicks in, but you know, I would love to be able to help uh, supply, you know, supply the United States with uh, with our products. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't even have enough uh, unfortunately for the Canadian market. So, <laughs> and, uh, green relief green relief being in the growth in the growth phase, we're growing more plants and uh, look forward to that. Uh, eight months from now, it's going to be a totally different story. We'll have the biomass. We'll have more product, all of the things that we need to do to uh, grow as a company. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I, I want to say, you know, it appears that it's a very interesting time for the company. One even say that it may be a growing season, if you will, forgive the pun. Um, it yeah. was reported uh, that in December 10 that you did require, like you mentioned earlier, the 100,000 square foot facility there in, I believe, Steely Creek, I believe. Stony Stony Creek. Stony Creek. Yes, my apologies. Stony Creek. Yeah, east, and, east side of Hamilton. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you're, you know, and you know, I know you're currently in a thirty thousand square foot facility, and this will allow you to scale your production from twenty eight hundred kilograms to seventeen uh, seventeen thousand eight hundred kilograms, or here in the states, sixty two hundred pounds to forty thousand pounds. Right. And so, correct. Uh, you know. Right. So, uh, you know, and then a few days after that, it was reported that, you know, you took a majority uh, equity position in Bodhi Research, to which will be renamed Green Relief Innovation. So uh, clearly you're in, in a growing phase, if you will. So I wanted to, you know, if you would share with Startup Nation your thought process on making those moves and just your general philosophy on when it's time to kind of grow and scale the business. Well, all all of those all of those things, yeah, you have to have both in this world. So, yeah, you, you, first you have to have plants, and and we spent a lot of time and effort uh, uh, growing our aquaponic uh, plant uh, uh, plant, getting the message out there. We are uh, out there in the world that we are doing something different. I need biomass to make those high quality products for the nutraceutical and pharmaceutical world. So, right. you know, Green Relief is is using the aquaponics and, and and that growing methodology to grow our clean natural plants. So you have to have that. You have to have the amount of plants. You have to have more plants and more biomass to make more products. And that's kind of where we're at right now in that in that growth phase because we do want to make medicine. And you know we are a nutraceutical and working towards say pharmaceutical down the line, uh, making that solid medicine innovations. And and Bodhi Research is just is just one of those uh, acquisitions that we made that makes sense because you know uh, Dr. Li Long Jaw who's a, a concussion specialist global uh you know he treated Sidney Crosby for his concussion and there there's uh, he's got a lot in the concussion research world a lot of research and he's already gone through phase two phases of uh, clinical trials for a, a nutraceutical concussion medication to help treat the symptoms of of concussions and and so we see the value in that for medicine and we can make that with our CBD and our very clean natural plants and uh, so we're going to help him get through phase three and, and get a nutraceutical out there to the marketplace that's going to help you with uh, managing some of your pain from concussions or, or other pain. And we have, uh, he's got uh, uh, eight or 10 other uh, indications in the pipeline as well uh, for different ailments and, and uh, helping people with, uh, you know, as I say, uh, different, different ailments. So we're looking forward to expanding that research and pushing that ahead. And, and uh, for us, uh, as I said, 
you know, we want to help. We want to help you be able to get through the day with a natural, uh, botanically based product, uh, nutraceutical or pharmaceutical, just like they did, uh, you know, a hundred years ago in, 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 you know, healing people with plants. I think you can uh, do that effectively. And I just, as we said earlier, the opioid crisis is a mess. Everything's Absolutely. easy to get a prescription and, you know, mask, mask your problems. But I think we can do more than that with this plant. And uh, I think the uh, sky's the limit on where the science is going to go with this. Yeah, we're that. so excited about uh, about that world and, and uh, looking forward to, uh, to, to all the R&D and, and expanding that uh, to be able to help more people with specific ailments. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Now, I, I see that there's been a few changes there in the C-suite at Green Relief. I saw you brought on Andrew Pegg, CFO. And also, yeah. you have actually stepped down as CEO and replaced John Durfee as interim CEO. So what led to the decision for you to step down and what's next for you? Well, I, I'm not uh, st- stepping down. isn't Isn't what I'd call. Uh, okay. not, uh, uh, I'm I'm not going anywhere. Uh, okay. I've uh, taken the role as president of the company. Okay. Uh, uh, we we I've always said from day one. You know, I'm I'm a humble concrete contractor. I'm not a multi million or billion dollar CEO. I hear that. Uh, it's not in the cards. It's uh, for me navigating the world of finance and IPOs and all of the other things and large corporate structure and corporate governance and all of the things that we need to be uh, uh, suited optically for the public space. Listen, I, I can get done and I can do and I can manage uh, quite well, but uh, some things are just better left for people who have those experience. And that's what uh, John brings to the table. He's got that uh, more uh, larger corporate world uh, experience. A lot more, uh, a lot more insight into the world of finance and and dealing with financial institutions, investors, and all of those other things. Uh, I want to be stay focused on advancing the Greenleaf platform with aquaponics and science and medicine because that's what I know and that's my strong suit. So you know, I'm not out of the picture. I'm not going anywhere. All is all is well in the world, and uh, these are changes that uh, uh, were necessary to take our company to the next level. And uh, I think, you know, I'd be selfish to say that I can, I'm, I'm everything to everybody and I can do everything. And we, we all should know our limitations and we all should know that, uh, you know, there's a time to earlier in the conversation about some flexibility and be able to move and uh, be able to navigate in different directions. And I feel that that's one of my strong suits and it's just that that time has come. Awesome stuff. And Startup Nation, that is the epitome of an amazing entrepreneur. Somebody who understands that, like, look, that's not my lane. So it's better to find somebody who, who who is in that lane to really move the company forward. So Warren, I appreciate that answer more than you know. Thank you. No, it's uh, our reality. For sure. For sure. So really quickly, you know, uh, there in Canada, the government has announced that it will start to expedite processing of pardons for people who have minor offenses when it comes to cannabis and stuff like that. And there are states here in the U.S. who are kind of considering, you know, that kind of decriminalization of of cannabis, if you will. Uh, No, do you agree with this or maybe not so much? Oh, absolutely agree. It's such a it's such a cost and a burden to the correctional services uh, of of both your country and ours. Uh, absolutely. Who should be, who should be going to jail for for having some cannabis on them? Uh, again, a natural uh, plant based uh, medicine, or even for recreation use. Listen, it's it's just being responsible. If you're high, don't drive. If you're if you're feeling altered, uh, you know you you use common sense. This product uh, should be able to be a. Uh, uh, utilized on a more uh, with more regularity in the states and in Canada and uh, when it comes to its consumption as i say common sense should rule the day 
so uh yeah uh, that's uh you know that's that 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 about sums up sums up that but i think that uh you know there's uh yeah the, the recreational side kind of kind of went off on a tangent there so i apologize um, no no worries no worries no i i, I appreciate but, the content for sure no, well, that's amazing that's it. yeah so you know you no know, uh really quickly uh tell us about the husband dynamic the husband wife dynamic you know of you and Lynn your wife uh Lynn Bravo uh tell us about that dynamic when building a business a little bit because we have a lot of entrepreneurs including myself that started businesses with their spouse so tell us a little bit about you know those uh challenges and triumphs that you kind of experience when oh, there's yeah. a husband wife team for sure <laughs> a- absolutely it's uh it's uh, amazing and it, and it takes a truly understanding uh woman to put up with anybody who's self-employed or is an entrepreneur because you have you're you're married to your wife you're married to your work and and as i said earlier in the interview about the balance uh, trying to, to strike that balance and when you're starting something up you know I, uh, the hours that I put in and, and still do put the hours in, but, uh, you know, when you have somebody who's understanding and supportive on the other side and, and you try to find that balance and, and they know, you know, your, your spouse knows that you're trying to spend as much time with them and quality time as you can. Uh, right. but things, you know, things are busy now, but hopefully in five years, they're not going to be as busy and you can, you can take that time and maybe do a little more traveling and, and, and a little closer, uh, family, family time and nurture that relationship and carry on. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, it's, it's, uh, Lynn, Lynn is a trooper. She has been phenomenal through this whole process, allowing me the flexibility, knowing that, uh, it's a greater good that we're achieving out there. We're helping people. She's on board. She's a landscape architect and, uh, she's been, uh, helping with the social media side of our business and, and helping with some, uh, ironing out some of the processes and, just as a just a great people person and so she brings a lot of value to the operation especially in the early stages and and just even just so, uh, family support uh she's just a, an amazing woman and and uh she's the one who gave us the idea about aquaponics in the first place and her in the world of uh, plants and, and architecture so uh she she got us going and Steve and I took uh, took the bull by the horns and got to where we are today. So it, it's been it's been great. It's been a, it's been a really fun ride. She's extremely supportive and she smiles every day. And uh, you know knows I'll be home for dinner at some point. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, Lynn actually has a podcast, Debt Set on Living, and I have the link there in the show notes for easy access for you to check out. Amazing content for sure. Oh, you've really done your whole, I, I tell you, that's a, you, uh, the most prepared I've ever ever heard from an interview standpoint. I thank you for that. That's, uh, that's amazing. No worries. No worries. Well, don't let this next one blow your mind. So uh, as, as you know, uh, the startup life is based here in Memphis, Tennessee. So we consider ourselves uh, the home of blues and rock and roll and everything in between. Right. So I noticed in one of your founders Friday uh, segments that you've uh, started learning blues guitar a little bit. There so you go. I guess I just want to know how that's been going. Well, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, as as I am nose of the grindstone, and I and I am a little uh, business focused right now, gotcha. it's not going so well. So I, I naturally don't have any soul. So uh, <laughs> playing the guitar for me has been uh, a lot of work. But uh, listening to Muddy Waters and BB King, and, and, and you know, just just the just the 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 uh, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of my favorites as well, and, gotcha. and uh, sure. just just an amazing. There's there's so much soul and talent and you know listen i can play the blue scales and i i maybe can play a little more technical and it's hard for me to improvise uh, as much as i'd like to but that's where i want to be i got to use more of that creative side of my life and i'm trying to achieve that again more personal balance and uh, and the, the guitar is kind of helping me helping me get there and and uh lots of times i'll just you know i'll flip on uh, the stereo and and put something on and 
and uh, figure out what uh, you know what key they're playing in and and just kind of jam away and uh, you know I'm 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 not great uh, but I love it and it's a de-stressor so uh, you know that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger so they say and guitar is one of those things for me. Gotcha. I appreciate you sharing that. So I, I, I'll tell you this, Warren, if you ever feel like you need a little inspiration for that creativity, come on down to Memphis, come to Beale Street. You'll definitely uh, get inspired for sure. Listen, I, I, I love love Memphis. I love Beale Street. I've been there a few times and, and uh, New Orleans and uh, Austin, Texas. And I tell you, uh, musical Mecca and, and you're very fortunate to be there. So uh, I certainly got to get down there more. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. So Warren, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? Oh, that's a, ooh, that's a, that's a good one. What is it? What is my, what is my superpower? I, mm-hmm. I think uh, if I, if I had to say, if I don't know if, if intuition is, is one or not, but okay. I would say that would be, that would be mine. Uh, I don't need to be, uh, have the strength of 10 men and I don't need to uh, be able to swim underwater forever and all that kind of fun stuff. But, gotcha. uh, you know, if, if I had a, if I had to say I had a power be, uh, it'd be my gut and, and, uh, uh reading people and, uh, reading situations. I think I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty, pretty adept at doing that and, and, uh, nurture that over a long period of time. You have to have a pretty thick skin and be able to read people in the construction world, uh, uh pretty well. So uh, I think that's where my, my talent has been nurtured over the years. And again, something my father uh, instilled in me uh, at a very young age. So uh, all, all is good. So that, that's that's my superpower. Absolutely. I, I would tend to agree with you because somebody who you know decided to kind of get in the cannabis space back in 2013, especially at that point in time, not too early, not too late, but just right. I actually would have to agree with you that intuition is an amazing superpower that you have, Warren, for sure. Cool. For sure. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're making so, me blush. And I, I don't like talking <laughs> about myself that officer. <laughs> gotcha. So, no, right before we ask the last question, I just want to say thank you so much, Warren, for coming on the Start of Life podcast brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. So, Warren, last question, man. I'm going to hand my mic over to you and you're going to talk to Startup Nation. There's an entrepreneur out there who's afraid to start their company. Tell them why they should go ahead and just just take the leap and move forward. Uh, w- without without question. So, you know, if for if my my advice to anybody is just be prepared to put the miles in. If you have the the ethic and the drive and the vision, and you know where you want to be in uh, one month, six months, one year, five years, and you can get there. You just just don't stop. Uh, keep your nose to the grindstone, as they say. Put the hours in make the right connections people are out there that want to help you and make you successful and take advantage of all that go with your gut and make uh you'll and go with the gut and 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 drive yourself and and uh you can be uh, anything you want to be and uh i like to think that that's where i've where i've come from and and where i continue to go every day awesome stuff awesome stuff so that's going to conclude our session on the start of life warren did you enjoy being on the show it was amazing, Dominic. I had a great time, and I really thank you. You're, you're an amazing host and, uh, and a pleasure to talk to. Thank you for that. No worries. No worries. All right, Startup Nation. So here's my final take. I am so glad we got Warren Bravo on the show. Let me tell you why. Startup Nation, on this path of entrepreneurship, you know, you're, you're trying to start up. You're trying to make this amazing thing called your company to really grow your idea and your business, right? However, when you get to that 10 15, 20 year mark, you start to think about other questions on your path to entrepreneurship. What would be my legacy? What would be the legacy of my company? And Warren Bravo gets that. When you think about green relief up there in Toronto, 
True enough, you think about growing cannabis and this, that, and the other. However, what he's also shown the world is that it's not just about growing cannabis, but the, the system of aquaponics can be used to grow other self-sustaining models when it comes to creating more produce and creating more you know, green efficient ways of producing things for society. And so when I think about Warren Bravo and his wife Lynn and what they're doing at Green Relief, it's much bigger than cannabis, it's much bigger than a company, and it's all about making an impact on the world. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or like to advertise on our show, please send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as can be now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or whatever your favorite platform to get your podcast on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass to get exclusive content. This is exclusively on the Binge Podcast Network's Patreon page. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. So if you're still here, you're probably looking for some extra content, huh? Well, wait no further. So um, there are AI-based tools that can harvest hundreds of millions of websites every night. They troll all the pages. They use something called natural language processing and natural language understanding, NLP and NLU, which is a subfield of AI to actually understand the meaning of the words on the web page. And then they use also AI to find uh, which of all the insights are actually worth to report. So Startup Nation, for this episode, we stay international. We move from Toronto to Sweden with Magnus Unimir, who is an artificial intelligence and marketing specialist. So if you want to get this great episode, make sure you subscribe to the Startup Life podcast on any of your major podcast platforms. So that way, when we upload that episode, it will be right there waiting for you. But in the meantime, Startup Nation, you got a company to grow.